Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley, inviting you to open to the radical notion that in your life, whatever you perceive to be in your way is the way. In other words, your challenges, whether they be relationships, compulsions, finances, or illness, come with gifts embedded in them that can bring healing and allow you to experience the joy of being fully alive. Mary is a counselor, awakening mentor, inspirational speaker, and the author of What's in the Way is the Way, the gift of our compulsions, belonging to life, and the magical forest of aliveness. What's in Your Way is the Way with Mary O'Malley is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome. To what's in your way is the way. And I am your host, Mary O'Malley. And today we are exploring the sweet surprise of inclusion. We begin with the poem, Allow. There is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist, and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow, and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in, the wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of the heart, or sadness veils your vision with despair, The practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. Dana Fouts The River of Life Healing is bringing mercy and awareness into that which we have held in judgment and in fear, Stephen Levine. Imagine that life is a river. Most of us are trying to control this river, hoping that we can make it do what we think it should do, be what we think it should be. So we head our boat upstream, furiously paddling against the current, trying to make life into what we think it should be. All the while we are struggling with life, not only does the majesty and the mystery of the river completely escape our attention, but we are also unable to dance with the powerful flow of water. Going upstream, we live in what should be and what is not, 
In this mindset, we don't notice the pull of the river is more powerful than our attempts to control it. And all the while we are furiously paddling, it is taking us down the river of our lives backwards. <laughs> Unable to see where we are going, the rapids and waterfalls catch us off guard, and we spend a lot of time cold, wet, and shivering in the face of these powerful forces. What we truly long for is to allow the boat to turn around and follow the current of life. As we turn our boats around, we learn the art of showing up for the river of our lives. Rather than just relying on our own limited intelligence, we now have the force of the river at our disposal, taking us turn by turn to our destiny of becoming aware. The two main skills that allow us to maneuver down the river awakening our focused attention, which I call curiosity, and inclusion, which is the activity of an open heart that doesn't argue with what is. These are the two components of awareness, the deep curiosity that brings us into immediate engagement with life, and a spacious heart that knows how to make space for what is rather than resisting it. They come together in a mind that is compassionately curious about what is right now. This kind of focus births us out of the labyrinth of the struggling mind, opening us into the joy and wonder of being truly alive. Previously, we have explored the skill of curiosity, accessing it with the words, what is. Right now, what is. Now we are ready to explore the second skill, inclusion. And the phrase we will use to help us work with inclusion is this too. The power of inclusion has been alien to most of us. We are geared towards controlling, denying, fighting, resisting, managing, or trying to understand what is. As we begin to come out of the fog of separation, it becomes evident that we have continually struggled with what we think is too much or too little, too big or too small, too painful or too boring, too loud or too quiet, too fast or too slow. We have believed we're both too much and too little at the same time. And most of the time, we've thrown most of our lives out of our hearts. Inclusion is the opposite of the struggling mind. It is the ability to move beyond struggle and meet what is exactly as it is. It is the art of meeting everything in our lives, especially all the formerly disowned and disliked parts of ourselves, with deep compassion and mercy. This allowing is magic, for as long as we are resisting what we are trying to change, we stay stuck to it like glue. The phrase, this too, mobilizes the activity of inclusion. As we say this too, we let go of struggling with life and become present for it instead. This allows us to maneuver through the rapids, waterfalls, and whirlpools of our journey, rather than spending energy resisting them. 
From a place of inclusion, we can make skillful and creative choices about how fast or slow we need to go, about how much we need to rest, and about which rapids we will ride and which we will portage around. This too is not about floating limply in the river. It is a place of engagement with the forces that have created the river and created us. It's about being responsive to the river rather than trying to control it. While working with this river analogy in my awakening group, some people decided that they would like to go river rafting for a weekend. After having checked out a number of companies that could supply us with boats and guides, I narrowed it down to two possible choices and set out for a day on the river to check out one of them. It was a day of discovering deeper levels of the power inherent in compassionate curiosity, the combination of what is and this too. I awoke with feelings of trepidation. This was confounded by the fact that I was not feeling very well and was not all that certain I wanted to take my body on a wild ride that day. For the first five minutes of my morning quiet time, I was lost in reaction. When curiosity kicked in, I immediately asked, what is right now? What sits here right now? My awareness went to an aching muscle in my body that contracts only in the face of terror. This confused me because I wasn't particularly afraid of river rafting. Even though it was something I'd never tried before, I've always liked adventure. As I dropped into what this muscle was feeling, staying with the actual physical experience of it, it became clear to me that what I was afraid of was being a nuisance, a core part of my childhood story. The story said, what if I get sick on the river and I'm a bother to everyone else? Having seen what is, I began to make space for it by using this too, saying, I can allow this to be a part of my experience right now. I don't need to struggle with this. This too moved me beyond struggling with what I was experiencing so I could bring it my attention. I literally talked to this muscle and to the old story that it caused it to contract. I asked it what it needed from me that day, and what I heard back was inclusion. Don't abandon me. Don't reject me. Don't override me. Please make space for me and listen. With this connection, I felt it wasn't necessary to cancel the trip. In fact, it made sense to me that this was a day to make space for these feelings even allowing them to be there for the entire time if necessary. My mind had expected an entirely different day. Before the fear made itself known, I had imagined a day of wonderful experiences. When the fear began to take over, I imagined a day of horrors. Now I was willing to show up for exactly what was appearing. In making space and connecting with the uncomfortable, I began to feel better. The willingness to include rather than resist what is appearing transformed my experience. Even though a feeling of discomfort was still in my body, by including it, I stayed in a larger space. My heart was full of joy and my mind was available for the adventure. Even when the guide said, when the waves crash over you, 
And if you fall out of the boat, I did not contract. About half an hour into the river, a different muscle in my body began to spasm. I contracted again. This particular cramp had caused all sorts of havoc of my life. The only way I'd ever been able to get it to let go was through hot baths, deep massage, and lying down. None of these were available, and I was trapped in a boat, sitting in a position that further tightened this muscle. The panic of no way out began to build, and the fear of being a bother tightened its fist around my heart. In the middle of this reaction, I began to hear, What is? whispered from the core of my being. When awareness kicked in, I took my attention into the muscle and began to soften around it. My heart immediately said, This too. I can include this too as a part of this day. I literally began to talk to this cramp, asking what it needed, becoming as attentive and spacious as possible. Again, it said, can you meet me without hatred and fear? My heart flooded with the words, I'm here, and this is workable. My reactive mind quieted down and was replaced with conscious connection. The cramp let go about 15 minutes later, never to return that day. I had met a big rapid in my inner life, a place that I had been very afraid of for my whole life. Now, rather than meeting it with resistance, I stayed conscious and connected and discovered the joy of riding through this rapid in a spacious and attentive way. Inclusion is magic. It can make bearable and even heal the hardest heart, the deepest grief, and the sharpest pain. This too makes our journey immeasurably easier as the energy that was formerly caught in judging, resisting, and struggling is transformed into the spaciousness of our hearts. It also invites us into knowing that in order to discover the deep peace that is always with us, we need to learn how to not fight what lies over the top of it. As we combine what is and this too, we are brought back into the healing of the heart and then onto engagement with life the moment it appears out of mystery. We can then flow through the river of our lives with curiosity, compassion, and trust. This is where, in our returning practice and throughout the day, we can give ourselves the gift we have longed for our whole lives, our own interested attention. So let's take a few minutes now to explore what this looks like. Close your eyes and allow a few long, slow outbreaths, softening your belly and focusing your mind by being curious about the experience of breath. To hone your awareness, ask the question, what sits here? What is the living experience of your life in this moment? 
starting in a more global way, discovering what of all the possible human experiences is happening right now, sitting, lying down, standing. Now, become more focused. What is your body feeling? Allow your awareness to be like a flashlight, highlighting the experience. It could be tiredness, exhilaration, contentment, upset, uncomfortableness, resistance, peace. Now, go to one particular sensation, something that is speaking louder than all the others, a headache, a sore back an overall feeling of fatigue, and begin to explore it, allowing your awareness to be like a finger, discovering exactly what is there. Say to yourself, this too. For just this moment, I choose to include this as a part of my journey. I let go of resisting, controlling, and wanting this to be different than what it is. For this moment, I allow it to exist as a part of my being. Pause the recording and stay there for at least a few minutes, returning to the sensations when your attention gets caught in your thoughts again. Don't expect any great healing. It takes time to reweave the severed threads of connection and communication. But with every moment of seeing what is and including it, allowing it to be here, we take another step into our healing. The Art of Listening It is not about what is happening in our lives. It is all about our relationship to what is happening that is the difference between struggle and freedom. Jack Hornfield. We can now see that it is in being curious about what is and including it rather than trying to change what we are experiencing that we become truly free. These two aspects of awareness brings us into the ability to compassionately listen to ourselves, giving what we were formerly ashamed of or afraid of the focused attention it needs in order to be set free. Listening to our immediate experience is a powerful tool. Just think about how healing it is when someone meets our anger with an understanding attention rather than reacting to it. The same is true for the contracted and disowned parts of our bodies, our minds, and our hearts. Just as we all respond to wise, kind, interested listening, so do all these parts of ourselves. It doesn't matter whether it's a physical sensation, an emotional feeling, a very intense thought pattern, or a combination of all of these. They all respond 
to deep listening. They open and reveal themselves to an awareness that is truly willing to hear what is trying to be communicated. This isn't about analyzing, lecturing, making assumptions, or finding pat answers. It's about pure, undivided listening. Beginning to listen to all the parts of ourselves that we formerly hated and feared is like reconnecting with a dear friend with whom you've had a major falling out and haven't spoken to in a long time. As it becomes clear that both of you want to mend the relationship, you realize that the love and care is still there, but it is caught under layers of distrust, anger, and grief. Each of you needs to be heard by the other without judgment. The stories inside of us with their concepts, sensations, and feelings need to be heard in the same way. Our stories are full of beliefs about who we are that were created when we were very young, for it is said that our core beliefs about ourselves and about life were formed before we were six years old. These beliefs then become characters in our stories, terrifying ghouls, scared children, struggling elves, rage-filled dragons, helpless princesses, arrogant knights, and self-absorbed prima donnas, and every single one of them is requesting your loving attention. Every single one of them is a beloved and essential part of the community that you are. Think of the colorful array of characters found in fairy tales. The truth is that they all live inside of us and they all play essential roles in the grand theater of our awakening. But most of us try to ignore, deny, put down, or hide the unpleasant characters inside. This only gives them more energy, allowing them to run us from underneath the level of our everyday awareness. They are like little children left in a room all by themselves, the longer no adult is present, the deeper they go into chaos and confusion. And over time, they have a tendency to get louder, crying out for the healing of our accepting attention. Just like the monster in the living room we explored earlier, they not only need to be seen, they also need to be heard. Making a connection with what we formerly resisted, ignored, hated and feared is a major step towards our healing. As we open into communication with them, doors that we didn't even know were there reveal themselves. What we are exploring here is compassionate listening. Imagine a child running to a parent after a playmate has called him or her stupid. There are several possible responses. The parent can ignore the child, respond with annoyance at the interruption, or agree with the assessment, telling the child that he or she really is stupid. In these reactions, the belief is given energy. Another possible response is that the parent listens, 
allowing the child to express all the fear and the anguish that were brought up through this encounter. Through being validated and heard, the belief that he or she is stupid has a far less chance of gaining a foothold in the child's story. The same is true for our deeply rooted beliefs. They too respond with the same kind of compassionate listening. And the most important person we need this response from is ourselves. A woman in one of my awakening groups had an epiphany last week. She was able to express to the group her deep fear that nobody liked her. And as with most stories in her head, the exact opposite was true. She was a deeply appreciated and respected part of the group. In being this honest about her fear, allowing this belief from childhood out into the light of day, it was much easier for her to see how young it was. She left the group that night full of respect and compassion for herself. A few days later, she had an experience of scheduling two different things at the same time. Rather than simply rescheduling, she began to fall into the old story again. I never do anything right. They will hate me because I'm so inept. In a flash, she became curious and was able to listen to this voice with great curiosity and compassion, not hating it, not fearing it, simply allowing it to speak without becoming identified with it. She not only met the unmeetable with her heart, but she moved another step beyond having this fear be in charge of her life. The freedom that she felt from those few moments of listening to herself was enormous. A returning practice is the place where you can learn how to relate to what is going on inside of you rather than believing what your inner voices are saying. When you notice that you are paying attention to the thoughts in your head rather than your focus, take a moment to ask, what feeling is here? You can pretend you're from another planet and have been given a few minutes to be inside of a human being so you can describe what that is like when you go home. This little trick of imagination can help you deepen your curiosity. There could be all sorts of feelings showing up, boredom, judgment, impatience, contentment, shame, irritation, restlessness, happiness, anxiety. Then when you notice a feeling like anger, rather than saying, I am angry, say, anger is here. That brings you into who you truly are, that which can see what's going on inside of you. To meet these different characters in our story, to include them, allowing them to express the beliefs that were frozen inside of us so many years ago is an act of enormous healing. These parts of us have waited our whole lives for us to gain enough awareness that we could finally meet them without identifying with them. In the beginning phase of responding, rather than reacting to the parts of our story, inclusion can be like magic, quickly dispelling the conversations in our head. But as we move further into awakening, it becomes evident that there are characters in our story that won't be so easily dispelled. 
Irritation will often dissolve the moment it is seen, but the ancient rage we have all carried since childhood is an entirely different matter. We not only have deep reservoirs of rage, but also of terror and grief. It takes time to build the bridges that we burned through denial, self-judgment, and fear. It is the work of a lifetime, but the payoff is enormous. Every time a pattern is met in the attentive heart, the energy that was formerly locked into it is freed up and becomes available for the rapture of being alive. The Power of Questions Live in the questions now, and perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Rainier Maria Rilke An important key to the healing relationship with the formerly hated and feared parts of ourself lies in asking questions. As in the analogy of healing a relationship with a friend, as we listen to this person, it is important to ask questions like, what were you feeling when we parted ways? What was triggered inside of you when this happened? What were you trying to communicate? These questions give your friend a space into which they can speak their experience. The same is true for every part of our inner story. To ask questions of what is showing up in our lives puts us into direct relationship with it. We usually run and hide or try to change what we don't like. Neither one of these allows for direct contact where we can heal and be healed. These patterns not only need our undivided attention, they long to speak their truth to us. To ask questions gives us moments when we're not caught in struggle. They also allow us to respond rather than react, and it is in response that healing happens. It doesn't matter if this only lasts for a second. Just like throwing a small pebble into the middle of a huge lake, the ripples eventually make it all the way to the shore. One question, without looking for the answer, sets things in motion, moving us farther down the path of awakening. The true power of questions doesn't work in a linear way, ask a question and get an answer. Answers will come in their own time and in their own way. If we focus on the answer, we break the power of the question, for the power is in asking questions, not trying to find the answer. Looking for answers just flips us back into the controlling, analyzing, planning, and comparing mind. Questions make space for the sea of intelligence that right now is breathing you, heals the cuts on your skin, and keeps the planets spinning as they do. And this intelligence waits for the opening of a question. We will explore questions more deeply later on. Until then, some of the most powerful questions to ask when you are turning toward what you are experiencing are, Who am I? 
Who are you? How do you see the world? What are you trying to communicate? What do you believe to be true? What is it you need from me today? What is the treasure that you hold? How have you served me? How are you healing me? The flavor of all these questions is compassionate curiosity, the combination of what is and this too. It is the art of approaching these mind-body states in an accepting and curious way. Again, ask, but don't look for an answer. Answers will come in their own time and in their own way. To keep our questions open-ended is to understand that challenges come with the solution woven into them. And the solution comes as we pay attention, listen, and live in questions. I really learned the power of asking questions when my mother was dying. I had broken my ankle, and the first day I was up on crutches, I went to be with her, for she lived three or four hours away. I had my daughter come and pack me the night before I left, and my son packed the car the next morning. Arriving in Victoria, I was exhausted. I had forgotten what a challenge it is to maneuver around on crutches, especially with a newly broken ankle. The next morning, after a night of intense, throbbing pain, I woke up into the fear that I didn't have the strength to be with my mom. In my meditation, as I stabilized on the breath, awareness said, What is asking to be met? I dropped in my body and touched with the attention the actual place that was holding my fear. It is a few inches above my navel and felt as if someone had pulled the energy plug and everything had drained out. This feeling was a predominant part of a debilitating illness I had a few years ago, and it could still terrify me. Instead of running away, I went to it. I recognize you. What is it that you need from me today? This question moved me into non-resistance. It also signaled to those feelings that I was willing to listen and learn rather than resist and deny. Instead of spending energy fighting this feeling, I softened and opened, feeling a shift in my body closing the energy drain. By not running away from what was happening, I was able to stay in contact with myself. Many times throughout the day, I asked my body, what is appropriate now? Rather than getting caught up in the role of support person for my mother, I paced myself, allowing my body to say when it was time to rest. Before in my life, I would override my weariness and continue with whatever I was doing because I believed I should perform up to an imagined standard of perfection. Now I was listening and staying in balance. At the beginning, it may not be easy to connect with what is presenting itself. We then simply ask the question, what wants my attention? Or what is asking to be met? Know that if your mind is agitated and upset, underneath that, an old pattern is usually asking to be seen.
including the body. The body is solidified mind, Stephen Levi. The stories that we get lost in, the ones that deeply need our attention and our compassion, move through us as thoughts, feelings, and sensations in our bodies. It is oftentimes much easier at the beginning of our awakening to bring curiosity and mercy to the parts of the story when they show up as sensations in our body. As Carolyn May says so well when she states, biology is biography. In other words, the entirety of our story is held in the very tissues of our body. Absolutely, every state of mind, terror, joy, longing, rage, to name a few, manifests in our bodies in a particular way. Think of a sexual fantasy and notice what happens in your body. Think of a person you're having difficulty with. Notice how the energy in your body shifts. Now, think of somebody you love very much. It changes again. Different emotions affect different parts of our body. Rage is often stored somewhere around the solar plexus. It is in this region that the liver, I am livid, the gallbladder, oh, that really galls me, and the spleen, venting my spleen, reside. Grief often shows up with tightness in our throats. I have a lump in my throat. Or a constriction in our chest. I have a heavy heart. Some people can even read the story of your personality by looking at all the lines on your face or noticing your posture. How we walk, move, sit, and stand all say volumes about the stories that we live in. Using the body to pay attention to our story is also facilitated by the fact that it has held our confusion and pain all of these years, but it can only do this for so long. The parts of our story that keep us lost in delusion, whether it be our fear, judgment, sadness, grasping, resisting, affect the energy flow in our bodies. We can usually function with constricted energy flow until our 30s or 40s, but then the tissue surrounding our holdings will become more and more affected. A good example is the stomach. If you think of times when you are very afraid and narrow down in the contracted world of fear, you may recall having a knot in your stomach. You could be at a party completely oblivious to how anxious you are when all of a sudden your stomach begins to signal you. In paying attention, you can then become aware of the fear pattern you are being run by, and in that awareness you have the choice to do something about it. The gift of this tissue breakdown is that it grabs our attention. We can no longer live unconsciously in our old patterns, for they are calling to us directly from the living tissues of our bodies, revealing the struggles that we haven't yet seen and freed. As we pay attention to an area of discomfort, first recognizing it, then feeling it, and finally dropping into it to explore it, 
It will reveal to us the story in our minds that goes along with this energy constriction. In my own life, whenever my stomach tightens, I'm usually experiencing dread, one of my core patterns. Underneath this tightness is often a sense of shame that I'm not doing my life right, combined with a sense of terror about what price I'm going to pay for these mistakes. It's usually some theme that they won't like me. As I'm able to meet the fist in my stomach and then explore the underlying feeling of dread, I am able to see the old conversation in my head that is always there when my stomach tightens up. Now when it shows up, because I'm familiar with it, I don't have to identify with that. In that compassionate curiosity, my awareness is then freed up to be with life rather than identifying with my old conversation about life. The two components of compassionate curiosity, what is and this too, intimately engage us with the stories in our body that are asking to be healed. What is brings the attention out of the restless, wandering mind and focuses it in the present. What is signals my mind to pay attention, to stop leaning forward into life or leaning back away from it. And this too reminds me to let go of struggling with whatever is here. Another way I access this focus place is to ask, knowing that all the millions of moments of my life had led me to this one, what is it like? What am I experiencing right now? At the beginning, it may be hazy or even difficult to feel anything. It is helpful to start globally with an overall sense describing the room you're in and the general feeling of being in a body, and then come to your breath, and then finally come into direct contact with what is asking to be met. It may be vague and formless at first, but slowly allow what is to reveal itself to you and listen. Go back over and over again to the question, what is right now? As we discover what is there, the body will graphically teach us. The opposite of this too is not this. When we respond to a discomfort in our body from not this, it causes the muscle around the discomfort to contract, becoming a breeding ground for more pain. When we can physically soften with this too, we generate the opposite. It takes away the fuel for continuous tightening and also allows us to make space for the healing energies to flood in. This is also true with our feelings and our thoughts. Fighting and constricting around unpleasant ideas and feelings creates more pain. While cultivating the spaciousness of this too, it opens the door into healing. My sister called one night, caught in a web of fear. As our mother lay dying in another city, core patterns that each of us took on in our childhood were rising to the surface of our awareness in order to be seen, accepted, and move beyond. One of her patterns is free-floating anxiety. She is four years younger than I, and thus experienced our mother's journey into paranoia at a very young and vulnerable age. 
On the phone, she was lost in the fear of this anxiety, becoming almost paralyzed in the process. She was in complete reaction with no ability to respond. I asked her to pay attention to what was happening in her body. As she described the tightness in her chest and the pounding of her heart, she was able to see that this was an anxious one showing itself to her. With great trepidation, she moved toward it, feeling this fear that had been such a predominant threat in her life. As she was able to be with it, rather than fighting it, she began to sob from the depths of her being. The last thing I said to her was, You grew up in a sea of paranoia, and there was no one there to acknowledge you and hold your fear. This anxiety has waited your whole life for you to see it without falling into it and to meet it with tenderness and mercy. When she called the next day, she said that after the phone call, she laid on the floor, brailing her way into the anxiety as it lived in her body. For moments, she became bigger than the anxiety itself and was able to relate to it rather than being lost in it. The racing of her heart slowed down and the constriction of panic let go. Into that spacious attention, the truth of her perfection and wholeness became clear to her. It so profoundly shifted her perspective that she was able to move through a chronically resistive place with her husband later that evening, a place they had been trying to get through for a long time. As you learn how to listen to your body, seeing the story of the struggling mind that is manifested in your tissues, allow what wants to reveal itself to show up in its own way and in its own time. Your job is to generate over and over again a sense of curiosity and compassion. Trust where you are. Whatever is grabbing your attention, begin to explore and describe it to yourself. You can take this as deep as you like. You may describe it with only one word, pain, or you can go into examining it in minute detail, tight, full, warm, throbbing, pushing, pulsing, shooting. Describing it is an important step, for it not only puts you into direct contact with what is, but also every time you name it, you are relating to it rather than being lost in it. Eventually, you'll be able to listen to even deeply disliked parts of yourself, the ones you're really afraid of or you hate, giving them the compassionate attention they need in order to heal. At whatever level you can be present for what is here, say this too. For this moment, I allow you to be a part of my experience. The ability to be present for even a moment in a compassionate and curious way starts dissolving your stories so you can know who you really are without your mind clouding your experience. So I invite you to weave what is and this too throughout your day and give yourself the gift of at least five minutes in the morning so you can strengthen the muscle of your attention 
so that when you get caught in reaction, you can more easily come back to curiosity about what is right now and a deep and abiding, compassionate spaciousness. For that is what brings lasting healing. Thank you for listening. Namaste. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition of What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley. You can access Mary's offerings on her websites, maryomalley.com and whatsintheway.com. Join Mary next time to experience the peace and joy that is always with you on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.